you guys are invited to get out your Bible or your Bible app and go to today's reading, which is from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. Bibles are also available in the backs of your, of your chairs, and they are free for the taking if anybody needs one. Okay, so now today's scripture, John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I laid down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I laid down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace to you, beloved. If you don't know by now, I'm Amy Wilson Phelps, and I'm the pastor here at Morningstar. Some people call me Amy Sue, though that's not my given name. It's catching, I think. <laughs> I am glad to be with you this morning. Is, is Guillermo in the room? Could you just help me prep a bit? Pay no attention to the man behind me <laughs> as we move into our message today. I do invite you to keep your Bibles open because we'll be referencing different verses the Bible app works as well, whatever you prefer. Thank you, sir. Good. Perfect. Thank you. Let's take a deep breath. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. My kids are ages eight, seven, and three, and they are in this season where they talk nonstop, which is great. Jason and I want them to be able to articulate themselves well. One of the favorite things right now that we're experiencing is the growing vocabulary. A large vocabulary out of these tiny people is really fun to hear. And often their comments and questions revolve around what they are hearing. What's that sound? What's that noise? What's that, mama? These are questions that arise when the washing machine becomes imbalanced or a large truck drives down the road or thunderclaps, for example. The children want to know what they are hearing so they can make sense of their world and ultimately to feel that they are safe. 
In reality, people who have use of their sense of hearing are processing hundreds of thousands of sounds in a day. Researchers actually say that we process an average of 25,000 words every day. 25,000 words, that's just words. That doesn't include other sounds and noises. But of those 25,000 words we hear, we are typically only really listening effectively to about 25% of them. And yes, I do realize what that implies about the messages that I share with you every Sunday, but I'm going to keep trying. There's a difference between hearing and listening. In the scripture passage that we read this morning, Jesus talks about how we can know which sounds, particularly which voices we can trust and really listen to and follow. His words come this morning as a part of our current worship series, I Am Seeing Life Through Stained Glass, which is rooted in the seven statements of identity of Jesus that we find only in the Gospel of John. And six of those statements are represented on the stained glass windows, in the stained glass windows that you find in the back of the sanctuary. Today is the fourth week in the series. So, so far we've talked about Jesus in chapter 6 when he says, I'm the bread of life. And we've talked about how when we share bread together, like our communion bread, but any meal that we share together, we are nourishing our bodies and our souls. And then we turned to chapter 8, and we listened to Jesus say, I am the light of the world. And we talked about how the worldview of Jesus can enable us to see all people without judgment. And then we turned to the first part of John chapter 10 last week to that statement, I am the gate. That's the only window that we have. It's missing. We actually don't have that window. We only have six, right? There are seven statements. And we have different reasons for explaining why we're missing that one. But the I am the gate statement is important because it comes in the same passage with our statement for today, I am the good shepherd. It's a two-part answer to Jesus, of Jesus, to the religious leaders when they say, who do you think you are? You see, he's just healed a man who was born blind. And the man who was born blind, who can now see, is proclaiming that Jesus is the Son of God. And the religious leaders are asking him, who do you think you are? And so first he says, I'm the gate. And we talked about how gates are meant to keep some people out, but really they're meant to let people in. And it's our job to stand by the threshold with Jesus to welcome anyone who would be turned away elsewhere. And that brings us to the statement that he makes today in the second part of chapter 10. You can look at it in your Bibles in chapter 10, verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I'm a good shepherd. So here's just a quick reminder of shepherding in that culture. It was vital to the economy. It was a dangerous job because the sheep were vulnerable to being stolen by thieves or eaten by predators or lost, which made the job pretty dangerous for the shepherd as well. And if the sheep were destroyed or lost or stolen, the financial impact would bring ruin to the family that owned them. In the part of chapter 10 that Laura read today, Jesus makes a case for a distinction between a hired hand and a shepherd. Typically, someone who is hired to watch the sheep will not care for the sheep in the same way as someone who purchased the sheep. 
and is committed to, to caring for them because of the responsibility to and for not just the sheep, but the family. Jesus identifies here not as a hired hand and not as an average shepherd, but as the good shepherd. And the difference is found in a willingness to lay down his life for the sheep or her life, but most often it was his at that time. The reference in laying down one's life points back to the concept of the gate that we talked about last week when, when an actual literal wooden gate was missing from the sheepfold, the shepherd would lie down across the opening and serve as the gate. But there's also the matter of the wolf here that's mentioned in verse 12. The hired hand would turn and run at a sign of a wolf, Jesus says, but the shepherd would stay and protect the sheep even at the risk of his or her own life. In this scenario, Jesus is bringing a common metaphor forward. At that time, sheep were known as peaceable, kind, and loving. People who were peaceable, kind, and loving were described as sheep. Wolves, on the other hand, were divisive and destructive and even violent in their words and their actions. Now, sometimes we followers of Jesus are referred to as sheep as well in a derogatory way, as if we're mindless. We're blindly following in what we call our faith. But anyone who's actually tried to follow in the ways of Jesus knows it's really hard work. We can't really check our brains at the door if we're going to learn how to love our enemies and turn the other cheek and give to everyone who asks. Really, the expectation of the sheep in the flock of the good shepherd is that we would become more like the shepherd ourselves. We would listen to his voice and learn to follow in a way that protects and cares for each other so that we reach a point, too, where we are willing to lay down our lives. Now, Jesus takes this kind of commitment to one another very seriously. He mentions it again in chapter 15. And so if you have your Bibles, kind of hold it where it is in chapter 10 and then turn to chapter 15 with me. And keep your place. In chapter 10, but turn to chapter 15 of John. We're going to talk about the I am statement that's in this passage in a few weeks, but I want to reference verses 12 through 14 in chapter 15. Let me know when you have it so we can read it together. 12 through 14. Are you with me? Okay. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. No one has greater love than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So keep that in mind as you turn back to chapter 10. And take again a look at verses 14 and 15. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me, just as my father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. And then he goes on to talk about some sheep in this other flock nobody really knows about. It wasn't, in, it wasn't uncommon in those days for different flocks to share a sheepfold or a cave because that's what was available at night. So the next day, the shepherds would call their prospective 
their respective sheepfolds, their, their flock, and the sheep would respond to the voice that they recognized. There's been much confusion over the centuries about what Jesus means when he refers to this other flock and what it means for us as the people of God who are called to share good news with others. The point is, regardless of our speculation, the point is how Jesus feels about these other sheep. These sheep, these other sheep, they will listen to Jesus. He is sure of it. They will listen to my voice, he says. So the question becomes for us today, will we? Do we? Do we listen to the voice of the good shepherd? There are so many sounds out there clamoring for our attention. We're going to try some out today with the help of Guillermo's gizmo over here. Did you like that alliteration? I'm going to play some sounds for you, and I want you to guess what they are. Let me find the right app here. Okay, you ready? What? Owen, you ready? Lainey, you ready? Okay, what is this sound? Yeah, yeah, it's a doorbell. Okay, what about this one? It's a baby. It's a sound that gives some of us post-traumatic stress, I'm sure. What about this one? Yeah, the neighbors. The neighbors. A rooster, that's right. What about this one? What is it? It's a toilet, that's right, it is. It's a familiar sound, right? What about this one? Yeah, it's a strike. The strike, and this one? Whistle, yep. Okay, and one more? Yeah, it's a duck. Quack, quack, yeah, it's a duck, that's right. Y'all are good. So these were easy sounds, right? They're familiar sounds. They're sounds so familiar that we can often tune them out. We're all trying to make sense of the world. We can't help it. The trouble is there's so much noise coming at us that it's really easy to allow the important voices to be lost in the din. God is still speaking, you know. Like the Holy Spirit still offers wise counsel in a variety of ways. And Jesus says we can listen to his voice and trust it and follow it because he has committed his life to caring for us to the point that he gave up his life, laying down his life to do it. But as we said earlier, there's a difference between hearing and listening. Hearing is a biological process. For those who have the sense of hearing, hearing is accidental and involuntary and effortless. But listening is a social process. It requires attention and energy. Listening is focused. It is voluntary. It is intentional. When we listen fully, we're using a higher level of consciousness to discern surrounding sounds. It's when we're really listening at that level that we can have the curiosity to ask, like my kids, what is that noise? What is that sound? What does it mean? 
What does this mean? But listening, particularly listening to the voice of Jesus in today's world, takes practice. Now, none of these are surprising, but some of the ways we can listen to the voice of Jesus is to pray, to sit in silence, to read Scripture, to study Scripture, which is different than reading it, to read Scripture, but to study Scripture, and to seek the wise counsel of people who do all of the above. It's only in a regular practice of listening that we learn to set aside the noise and even some other voices that might lead us in a wrong direction. And as we do so, we will find ourselves, the sheep, becoming more like the shepherd, growing in our own willingness to lay down our lives for others. Maybe not in the same way that Jesus did, we hope not, but in organizing our daily lives. In organizing our daily lives and our family's rhythms to be here and be available for each other and the greater community. We can organize or orient our lives toward this kind of listening by making it a priority to attend worship, as you are, whether in person or online, by consistently studying scripture as an individual, but also in a group, and by serving to meet the needs of the community. And we have many ways to do all of those things here at Morningstar. Now, this does not mean that we don't need healthy boundaries. It doesn't mean that we can't have other interests. It doesn't mean that we, need, that we don't need a break. It's okay that some people are still in bed right now while it's cloudy. These things happen. Boundaries are okay. What it means is that the road we are to follow as sheep is to be the kind of people that follow the voice of Jesus to the point that we will lay down our lives so that we can pick it back up again. To listen closely enough that we are willing to identify and to adjust our misplaced priorities. That we are willing, in effect, to lose our lives to the point that we will keep ourselves in the fold of the Good Shepherd. Now, Scripture tells us elsewhere that if we leave the fold, Jesus will come looking for us. But wouldn't it be easier for us and for him if we just prioritized our life in a way that would keep us in the fold? Amen? Amen. As we move into a time of prayer, I would invite the kids to find in your worship bags their wooden crosses. Some of you may have your own wooden crosses in your pockets or your purse from my very first Sunday here. I hope that you do. You could hold the cross in your hand as a reminder that we are connected to God and to each other as we pray. Gracious and loving God, your word tells us that you are our shepherd and because of you, we are in want of nothing. You make us lie down in green pastures and lead us beside still waters. You restore our souls and lead us in right paths for your namesake. And even though we walk through the darkest valley, indeed through the valley of the shadow of death, we do not fear evil because we know you are with us. You comfort us. You prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You anoint our head with oil to the point that our cup overflows. We trust that goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our lives, and we dwell in your house forever. Amen.